Hi, this is Jessica Burgess from Fantabulosity, and you are listening to the Eat Blog Talk podcast. Hey, food bloggers. Are you ready to accomplish your 2023 goals faster than you ever thought possible? If you are nodding your head yes right now, the Eat Blog Talk Mastermind program might be a great fit for you. We are now accepting applications for 2023, and I will let you in on a little secret. If you sign up before the end of November 2022, you can lock in at the current pricing. Go to eblogtalk.com forward slash mastermind for more information and to apply. Brittany and Terrence are the awesome blogging duo behind plantpowercouple.com. And here they are talking about how the mastermind program can massively boost your confidence and how this can so positively impact your business. If you feel isolated, if you feel like one of the main things that's holding you back in business is like your own struggle with believing in yourself and your own struggle with believing that you can do this, I think you need to do it. I think it's the biggest thing that can change your your the trajectory of your business. And your mindset. Yeah. yeah. Like it's not just, yes, you learn these things, but you gain a sense of community and support and just like accountability and you start to believe in yourself more and you start to be able to like borrow these other people's belief in yourself so that you can build yourself up while you're getting there. Hey, food bloggers. Welcome to eBlog Talk, the podcast for food bloggers looking for the value and confidence that will move the needle forward in their businesses. This episode is sponsored by Rank IQ. I'm your host, Megan Porta, and you are listening to episode number 351. I am so happy to have Jessica here with me today. She is going to talk to us about focusing on doing more of what's working. Jessica Burgess is a lifestyle blogger with a heavy focus on easy recipes for busy people. After blogging for 11 years, she's taken what started out as a hobby blog to a level that she had only dreamed about. And today you will find Jessica blogging with a ton of passion and sharing the love by helping others grow their blogs as well. Jessica, super excited to have this chat with you today. How are you doing? Oh, thank you. I am good. I'm so excited to be here. I've been looking so forward to it for so long. Yay. I'm super excited too. But before we get into this awesome topic, we'd love to hear what your fun fact is. Well, what was funny is I was talking to my husband and I said, I want to share a fun fact, but what am I going to say? And then um, it hit me and I thought, you know, there's something about me that people look at me and go, you did what? (laughs) I thought, there it is. That's what I'll say. So in 2020, uh, my husband and I decided to go on a summer vacation with our two little kiddos to a place that we absolutely love. And we just packed our bags for a few months, stay, and we never went home. And still to this day, we have never... (laughs) We have never gone back. So our stuff is pretty much still back in our hometown. And we shocked everybody completely because we lived in our hometown, you know, all of our lives. And that's where we met. And we had so many family and friends and we just never went home. Where is this place that you are at? (laughs) We're in Montana, but we actually have a place in Utah too that we, we go back and forth. And right at this moment, I'm sitting in Montana, just looking out the mountains and the elk. And it's just so peaceful and it's so hard to leave. So we are here for good. That is amazing. And (laughs) I don't know if you know this, but Montana is our favorite place in the world. We are in love with it. We go out there every summer for three weeks. And I have a dream to someday soon within the next couple of years to have a second home out there. So where are you in Montana? I'm curious. 
Okay, so we're about an hour south of Bozeman in a very small little town. Yeah. Is it near Red Lodge or? You know, I don't know how far that is from here. It's this area is known for like the Madison River and just like, you've probably heard of that fishing on the Madison and things like that. And we have a family friend that has a ranch here. So we've been lucky enough to be able to stay here sometimes. And it is just, it is. It's surreal. So I totally get it. So you and I will definitely have to chat about Montana. <laughs> oh my gosh. I There's something about Montana that every time I'm there, it's just like infuses peace into me somehow. I don't know how to explain it. There's really no words for it. But when I come back home and I love Minnesota, it's great, mm-hmm. but it's just not the same. So I know. I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> and I've even said the same thing. And I've even, I've done videos because I have a lifestyle blog. So I talk about kind of what we did over the years, you know, and I have a video on it and it's a very long video of me just going, y'all, I cannot explain how peaceful yeah. it is. It's just something you can't, I guess, understand until you experience it. So I am right there with you. Okay. Well, we are going to have to continue this outside of this conversation, but I would love to connect with you on that because I feel like I get it. And oh, so cool. That is the coolest fun <laughs> fact ever. <laughs> So fun. So you're here to talk about just focusing on doing more of what's working. And there are many ways to do that. There are many aspects of blogging, lots of ways that we run into that don't work with our businesses. And so, yeah, like how did you determine that this was a strategy for you trying to find what was working? You know, I think it's it wasn't really an epiphany moment or anything like that. It was more so it's just my personality. I just... I love in, I say real life, blogging's real life, but in my personal life, doing more of what's working has always been a thing for me, whether it's organizing my home or coming up with some kind of schedule for the kids or something like that. It's just been kind of a natural thing. But what I did was carried it over into my business. And that sounds simple, right? But when you are in the blogging world, which I'm sure so many can relate, there are so many shiny objects and there are so many... FOMO moments of fear of missing out because you see somebody say something in a Facebook group and it's like, oh my gosh, I have to be over there now or, oh, well, maybe I should change it up because that worked for them. And I just, I kind of got caught in that in the beginning of feeling like I had to be everywhere, try everything. And then I, one, I guess it just kind of came to me and I was just thinking, but I'm already doing really well by doing this. So I'm just going to kind of do that and see how it goes. And I've been blogging since 2011. So, you know, there have been a lot of new shiny objects that have come on the scene. And what I found was if I just kind of just sat and watched for a little bit (laughs) to see how things unfolded, I was one, either so grateful that I waited because it would have been a waste of time because it didn't last very long, or I felt more comfortable moving forward with something because other people have found results for that. Now, I will say that has backfired on me some. I'm not going to sit here and act like, you know, that's a perfect plan because Instagram was one of those things. And I was just like, I am not getting on that train. I do not like that. That's never going to become anything. Mm. (laughs) Here, Here we are, you know, brands love Instagram these days. And there are so many good things. And People do really well on Instagram. So I have to be careful sometimes and go, well, if I would have jumped on the bandwagon of that, maybe I would probably be more successful over there. But then again, I correct it and correct my thoughts and say, but I'm doing good over here. So why discount that? Right. You know, so. 
And you've probably saved yourself some energy too by not focusing. I mean, yes, maybe you've lost out on some opportunity, but you've saved energy that many others have not. Right. Yeah. That. I mean, energy, the time, the money. I mean, you, yeah. we got to think about the money too that gets invested, whether it's hiring people to work for you over here on this side because you hear that it's good and it may not be something you should have moved on yet. But I think that's in any business too. And it's just, it's, it's what works for me. And I feel like I have some students too in a, in a blogging group that I have, and I'm always telling them they'll, they'll come in and maybe say something like, well, I saw this in a Facebook group. Do you think we should start doing that? I'll just say, just give it a minute. Yeah. (laughs) Just give it a minute and let's, let's see how it does. And you know, sometimes it does pay off and sometimes it's like, okay, yeah, go, go now. It's working for a lot of people. So (laughs) let's do it. Well, I will give you the other side to that. So yes, you could say, oh shoot, I should have gotten on that bandwagon, but there are people like me who did get on it. I mean, I wasn't on there right away. I put it off for a little bit, but I've put a lot of energy, effort, time, everything into growing Instagram and I haven't. It just has never worked for me, which is fine. It's just not been my platform. So you could have put your effort there and it could have transpired like my situation. So you can look at Mm -hmm. it that way too. You don't know how it would have panned out basically. You don't. And so that's why I think I'm always so passionate about saying, do more of what's working because you already know it's working for you. Yeah, it may not work for somebody else, but it's working for you. So why not do more of that or focus on that or amplify and take advantage of what's already working? And I think that for me and and my story, which of course can look different from so many, but it has really, I listen to your podcast and I hear you talk about SEO a lot and stuff too. And, you know, I think about SEO started working for me years ago. And when I do more of that, it's really paid off. And whether maybe it's face, maybe something else like Facebook or something like that, that may take off one day, but it's kind of like your Instagram and honestly, my Instagram, I can put so much work into that. And it's never really worked. The word I can think of is gangbusters for me. Those haven't Facebook or Instagram, but SEO has. So I keep pouring into that and it keeps paying off. And if something changes one day, then we shake it up and we try something else. But yeah, we all have so many things to do in a day and we only have, you know, so much time to do. So I, I choose to focus on what's already working Mm. and I really encourage others to do that too. Where do we start? So what things can we start looking at to see if it's working for us? Well, you know, one thing is I always suggest looking at your real-time traffic. And what's funny about that is I just switched over to the the G4 oh, yeah. Google Analytics. And so <laughs> I, and, and I mean, last week just switched over. And so that is very new for me. So depending on when somebody's listening to this podcast, you know, this could very well change. But when I was talking to the person that helps me with technical kind of stuff on my blog, I said, uh, the real-time traffic on this new analytics does not look the same as my old one. And he said, it's a, it's a totally different reporting thing right now. It's, it's showing you how much real-time traffic is in the last five minutes instead of right in this moment. And so it's going to take a mind shift or a new learning, I think, strategy to look at that. But when I talk about looking at real time, you know, something I've learned is over the the course of watching that, and I'm not saying be addicted to it, right? We can all get addicted to sitting and watching our, yes. <laughs> our analytics. But what I've learned is 
when I log into my real-time analytics at a certain time of day, I can tell if something's not right. And so with that, I think that's just a great way to kind of make sure things are on the up and up, say at four o'clock, if there are not a certain amount of numbers on number of people on, I'm going, wait a minute, some, my site may be down. Or if I see a lot of people on something took off, I need to find out what happened so I can do more of that. Right. And I use real time traffic. Sometimes if I share something on Facebook and I may, I, I do a lot of recipes on my lifestyle blog. So if I post a recipe in a Facebook group and I get a lot of people on my blog in that moment, I'm going to know, oh, that group is really good. Or, oh, that group really likes that recipe. So I just pay attention. But this sounds so simple, I know. But so often we get so lost in the weeds and caught up in everything that we sometimes forget to pay attention to the small things that make a big difference. And so paying attention to the little things like that, making note of it and going, oh, okay, well, I know that Instant Pot recipe does really good in that group. I'm going to put a note down because tomorrow I may share another Instant Pot recipe in that group. And just the little things like that, man alive, the traffic can really grow and, or whatever it is you're trying to accomplish, whether it's email subscribers or whatever it is, you know, just those little bitty things can really add up. That is such a great recommendation. And we don't have to be a slave to it. We can pop in a couple times a day just here and there. We don't have to sit and stare at it for hours on end. (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) The next thing was just, Maybe if if you're focusing on SEO and things, if you notice you start ranking for something in SEO, granted things can vary. It can be a different keyword. It can be something you know that makes it, why is that one ranking, but something similar is not. But I think it is important to pay attention to, hey, why did that one rank? Is it because it was something that I did in Rank IQ? Was it something that I did in, found in Key Search? Was it the way I formatted it? Was it because, and this is <laughs> this is probably very... Oh, not argumentative, but a topic that gets kind of different. People have different opinions about it. Controversial a little bit. Yes, yeah, thank you. <laughs> the word. Some of topic authority in Google, right? Some say, oh, there's no such thing. Some say, oh, no, there's a difference. If you rank for that topic in Google, maybe Google sees you as an authority. You know, it kind of goes back and forth. But pay attention to those things and test things out. So if I have a, a recipe that does really well on Google, maybe I'll use the same kind of ingredient, main ingredient, you know, and try it again. Does that one rank in Google? Well, maybe maybe it's the interlinking between the two. Maybe it's the topic who really knows, but again, paying attention to those things and, and testing things out to see if those work, they work. There is magic in that. I started doing that about a year ago and it has paid off in dividends. So I had no idea why certain topics were taking off for me. And I thought it was because of X and I then learned that it wasn't. So then I figured out, oh, Google actually likes a totally different aspect of this post. So I started (laughs) focusing more on that. And now there are certain categories that I write about that take off almost immediately. And if I wouldn't have paid attention to that, I never would have figured that out. Absolutely. And I love that. And I again, I think we get so distracted sometimes or just, oh, we just have to get it all happening and going. And and sometimes if we really pay attention, like what you're saying, it can really pay off big time. Yeah. What do you think about like other platforms outside of Google and paying attention there? So I fully believe that what's well, kind of, we touched on Instagram and Facebook kind of already, but there are, I feel like each blogger probably has that one platform, right? That does really well. I have friends that do amazing on Facebook. Mine is okay. It's nothing to write home about. I have friends that make a full-time income 
with just their Instagram. And, you know, it, so it can vary for each person, but in this world, the new social media platform that comes out, I, for instance, TikTok, I cannot get on board with that, but you know, who knows, (laughs) maybe, (laughs) maybe one day it'll happen, but I choose to focus on the social media platform that works for me. And so Pinterest works for me right now. Facebook kind of works for me, but other platforms just, I don't see the return on investment. I use that word or that phrase a lot because if there is not a return on investment, then that means I do not want to make very much. I'm not saying I'm not on it, but I don't want to, I do not want to spend a lot of time if there's not a decent return on investment for that. So I think it's really important that people pay attention to which social media platform that's working, what's sending traffic. And you can look in your Google analytics, you can pay attention to your engagement, your insights and things like that to help you figure that out. And then if something's already working on one of those platforms, do more of it. Is it a certain recipe that's doing well on Pinterest or on Facebook in a certain group, maybe try sharing a similar recipe on that or or whatever, you know, the testing, I know the topic of this is do more of what's working, but I ultimately believe we have to do some testing to figure out what's working and, and look at our stats and look and see what is working before we can know. And so the FOMO, you know, it's the, everybody feels like they have to be on every single social media platform and run a successful blog by not doing that. And I know I have a lot of friends that have successful blogs by not spending hours and hours on every single platform there is out there. So I know a blogger who he he just blogs and focuses on SEO. He doesn't even have accounts on Instagram, Facebook, oh. and he's successful. It's great. It works for him. And I've always kind of envied him because of all the time I've wasted. Yeah. On, and not to say that, I mean, I'm glad I have an Instagram account and I'm glad that I've established a Facebook account. I'm not saying that I would have done anything different necessarily, but mm-hmm. I kind of envy that, just the fact that he doesn't have to manage that. And it's not not even an option. Like he doesn't have an account. So it's like such a relief <laughs> for him, I imagine. <laughs> so it is possible to do that. It is. And you know, I also think that being creative and doing what you love is really important too. And so I have some friends that they'll say to me, Jessica, I, I don't get a return on investment through, let's say, Instagram. But I love talking with my community over there. I love doing X or whatever it is. And I get that because if we don't feel creative or fulfilled, which is probably the reason many of us started blogging in the first place, we'll lose, it'll feel like work, right? So we also need to make sure there's time for those things that we enjoy doing. So whether it's a student or a friend, I'll say, well, keep doing that. You feel fulfilled. You feel creative. And you know, that's really important. So maybe just throw a link in every now and then. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And sometimes doing the bare minimum on a certain platform is enough and you can get decent traction that way. So like you said earlier, I love this, that you do need to experiment a little bit and play around, see what works, see what doesn't work. And if something absolutely doesn't work, put it on, like cross it off of your mental list. You do not need to go there for a period, like maybe revisit it later. But I love the idea of crossing things off just so you, it's like gives you permission. Like I do not need to go there. (laughs) Doesn't that feel good when you know that you don't have to go somewhere? (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Oh, I love that. So let's see, what was I going to ask you about social platforms? I was going to, oh, don't you feel like doing Everything on all the platforms just spreads you so thin that you can't possibly 
put all of your energy in one place. So it's really not effective anyway. So I think your strategy is really smart. Like pick one or two that are working, put your energies there and let the others kind of fall away because you can't do everything. You can't do it all and you won't do it effectively if you try. Oh, I totally agree. You know, there it's really easy to get overwhelmed and I'll have conversations with newer bloggers and they'll say things like, how do you, how do you even do this? Like, how do you get all of this done? Because the internet is open 24 hours a day. And so that's a good thing and a bad thing where we can't sleep at night and we want to write a blog post. We can, we don't have to wait for the business to open, right. To go in and, and do something which is nice for the flexibility and the freedom and things like that. But it can kind of overwhelm you if you let it and, oh my gosh, well, I haven't been over here today and maybe I should go over there. So yeah, I completely agree. And so we have to kind of put that guard up and go, okay, nobody, I don't know anybody that has more hours in the day than I do. So mm-hmm. they're not doing everything. If if they're focusing on, if it looks like they're everywhere, they either have a lot of help yeah. or there's an area in their life that I'm not seeing that's probably suffering from it. So we have to give ourselves grace yes. for sure. Oh my gosh, so much grace. Hey, food bloggers, popping in for just a quick break to talk about the amazing Rank IQ. I love this keyword research tool, and you've heard me talk about how much I love it in the past. It has helped me to grow my traffic on my food blog, Pippin Ebby. So let's chat quick about the time this tool saves me in my business. I dive into every post I write with confidence because I know that each keyword has been handpicked by Brandon himself, the creator of the tool. With other tools, I really don't know how each keyword will play out or whether it's worth my time and effort in the first place. So I begin with a lack of confidence on those other tools. Also, the optimizer in Rank IQ provides very specific recommendations about which keywords to include inside each post. So my writing goes so much more smoothly. The optimizer acts as my guide, leading the way to a comprehensively written post. Last but not least, I don't do as much searching on the front end of researching keywords. So I dig into the writing portion quickly and with laser focus. If you want to find the efficient and streamlined researching and post writing strategy that I have found, go to rankiq.com to sign up and check it out for yourself. Now back to the episode. There are always people behind the scenes, even if it's not like a VA or social media manager or something like that. There are people helping all of us. We have spouses, we have families to help us clean and do dishes. And like there's always people behind the scenes. And I think that's something that we forget. We just assume that everyone else is succeeding because and they're shining on their own. They're doing everything and that's not the case. I think that's such an important topic maybe for another discussion, but I just wanted to highlight that a little bit. Yeah, I'm glad you did. Yes. And then something else that I touched on earlier, just pulling out those topics that were working and it required digging. It didn't just like pop out to me one day. I had to dig and figure out why Google was putting certain posts on page one. I didn't know it. So I dug and figured out that there are certain topics that I'm just, I don't know, well known for in Google's eyes. So how do you (laughs) recommend other people sort through that? Well, you know, I know we're talking about Instagram a little bit, probably because I have such a bone to pick with it. But (laughs) it's it's one of those things that to use it as an example, it's my Instagram account, they do not like my recipes, but Google loves my recipes. So I had to figure out not only, okay, what topics do well for me in SEO? I had to figure out which social media platforms preferred which topics. And so I know that the majority of us here are probably food bloggers, but 
my Instagram followers do not like it. They like to watch my life in Montana or maybe how I'm cooking for the ranch hands or something like that. So it kind of ties in. But for so long, I kept posting recipes on Instagram and just it would just die once I'd post it. And, and then I would go to the insights and look and see, oh, they they really don't like my recipes over there for some reason. So why focus on that? Why put in so much effort? Why not share my life about cooking? Why not? You know, so it's the same kind of thing, but it wasn't really sending traffic. And then on Facebook, they love my recipes or my newsletters. They love my recipes. And so again, I think it's digging in and not, I made this mistake early on. I blanketed, if that's a good way to say it, my entire blog thinking that everyone on every social media platform liked everything I did. <laughs> and I had to come to terms with that's just not, that's not the case. And I'm okay with that. But it was important to kind of segment out and separate who liked what. And then again, looking at that going, oh, well, you like this over here. Well, that's all I'm going to show you then instead of wasting my time sharing you and trying to force you yeah. <laughs> to like certain things. And so, you know, how do you figure that out? I think we're very fortunate and lucky to have tools like Google Analytics to tell us what people are looking at on our blogs. And Instagram has insights for us and Pinterest has insights. And, you know, we're really lucky to be able to have access to those tools to figure it out. So we're just not throwing spaghetti at the wall. And so I really recommend looking at it. And time after time, my students will say, I had no idea this wasn't getting any traffic. And I have been spending so much time promoting it over there. Or, you know, if we don't follow up and look into it, we may be, again, throwing spaghetti at the wall and just not really moving the needle forward. We're just, we're just trying to get by. But if we can be more strategic about things and figure out who likes what, then I have seen exponential growth in focusing on that. I love this. I avoided statistics and insights for a really long time. I don't know why. I try to nail down like, why did I do that? I really don't know. I have no answer, but I just did. I avoided it. But once you start digging in, it's not so scary. It's not so overwhelming or daunting. And there is a lot of information in those insights. So do you recommend doing this on a regular basis, like weekly? Or how often do you recommend people do that? I, unfortunately, I'm a stats nerd. So, but I will say I'm a lot like you. And the fact it took me a really long time, I resisted it. And I don't know why either, but I'm a stats nerd now because I've seen now that I know what tends to work, I kind of get, for lack of a better term, obsessed with the idea of seeing if it's still working. So I think it depends on the stat. You know, if it's real time, I'd look at my real time at least three times a day. I look at my monthly traffic once a month and see which posted well. I use Rank IQ's feature of the check rankings. I look at that about once a month and try to figure out what's doing good, what has maybe gone down in rankings. So I think it depends, you know, on what you're looking at. If it's Instagram insights, I kind of avoid that like the plague. So <laughs> maybe, you know, once every six months and go, oh, okay. But, you know, I really encourage my students and things when it comes to stats Look at what did well last month because it seems like with Google Analytics in particular, we are surprised often at what did well last month. And it's so easy to miss that. And look at what did well last year during this time. There have been so many times that I was thinking, oh, it's Labor Day. Oh, it's not really Christmas. It's not really that big holiday, you know, that should send a lot of traffic. But I'll notice that my 
a barbecue recipe did well. Oh my gosh, I haven't thought about that barbecue recipe in forever. Maybe I should send out a newsletter on that. Maybe, I, you know, and just being able to see and using the proof that something did well last year, why wouldn't it do well this year? Now, of course, there are different uh, circumstances, I guess, that something may not do as well. Maybe something went viral on Facebook or went viral on Pinterest or something. But a lot of times we can forget because we have so many irons in the fire. And it's so easy to forget about some of the little things that could turn out to be really big things. Wow, that was amazing. I loved that. That was gold. Something else you could do is if you're wanting to boost Q4 traffic is go back to the previous year, Q4, and see what worked then because we've likely forgotten now that it's definitely not Q4, but it's coming upon us here soon. So maybe we could boost those posts or write some similar posts or something like that. Yeah. And you know, one other thing that I want to mention that I know people are with different ad networks and things like that, but paying attention to the RPM is something that I found very interesting. I don't want to say super successful because your RPM can fluctuate and things, but sometimes I may not realize that a certain blog post gets a really good RPM, you know? And so looking back at kind of like what you're saying last at quarter four last year, which post had really high RPMs? Is there a reason for that? Is it, you know, something to do with the holidays? And maybe you can go back and sort and see and come up with kind of a game plan of how to promote those posts for sure. Because who knows, maybe it'll have a really high RPM again this year. That is so great. And I've actually started doing this recently. So I'm on, I'm with AdThrive. So I go into my dashboard and I, once a week, I sort by, so I go to, let's see, RPM by page, I think it is. And then I sort highest to lowest. And every week I'm like blown away because I have a few that are like $300 RPM. Like what? That's insane. <laughs> so what I do is I try to pull a few of those really ridiculously high ones out and update mm -hmm. them quickly. So then I have Good. my VA like post it on, like she'll do an idea pin for Pinterest and she'll do a web story and then we put it in the newsletter. And this is an experimentation process. So I don't know how this is quite going yet, but it's something I'm experimenting with because I think there might be something to that, but just doing those little experiments like that, even if it's like a low RPM and you want to boost it and figure out why it's low, just yeah, figuring out what's working, what's not working and just creating your own little experiments. Yeah. You know, I've, I've, I'm with Mediavine and I asked them a while back and don't quote me on this because I don't remember exactly, but uh, I said something like, Hey, one of my blog posts says it has a $200 RPM or something kind of like what you were just saying. Does that really mean I'll get, you know, yeah. <laughs> $200 for, and they did tell me, well, you know, that it can, it can really vary. Sometimes you get some out of whack RPM amounts because of the formula and based on some situations or whatever it may be. Because what I've done, I've done kind of like what you said too. I'll think, oh my gosh, I'm going to promote that on Facebook, like wildfire today, you know, and I'll do that. And then the next day I'll look at my ad income and go, uh, that wasn't what it said it was. <laughs> right. Yeah. I did ask about it too. Cause I was like, this can't be right. And <laughs> I think AdThrive's response was similar. It was like, sometimes it can balance out. Like if you have really low page views, a high RPM can be the balance. Like, you know, it's kind of unattainable, but my theory was like, maybe I can promote the heck out of it and then get some juice before the RPM goes down. And I think it actually did work with one of my recipes, my like a chocolate bunt cake with raspberries and the RPM was like 
almost $200. And the following week I looked and I did, I did earn quite a bit of revenue from that one after boosting it. So I don't know. I mean, it doesn't seem to be consistent all the time, but again, experimentation, right? Trying well, yeah. And yeah. It, again, kind of, it could be one of those things that, oh, I kind of forgot I even had that blog post or that exactly. recipe, you know? So it's just kind of a nice reminder of, hey, maybe I should show that one some love. Somebody else is apparently. Yeah, <laughs> so right. Right. We need to. Yeah. And I also found out that I didn't realize until, gosh, recently that RPMs can differ based on where the traffic comes from. And so I would promote and promote and promote on Facebook only to expect way higher ad income the next day if something went viral. And then I realized, or I actually found out from Mediavine that maybe I may not make as much per, you know, for the RPMs from Facebook traffic as I would from Google. And so I really started taking that into consideration. It really helped me not be so shocked, I guess, the next day thinking, oh, I should have made more than that. Oh no, it was Facebook viral traffic. So maybe that's why it wasn't, you know, what I was expecting or something. So that was really interesting to me. And some people didn't know that. And so that's something I've been trying to keep in mind too, and, and tell my students that, that's something really important to keep in mind as we're doing more of what's working to also note, hey, that may not be exactly what we're thinking we're going to get if uh, if it's not the same RPMs from Google traffic as maybe, say, Facebook traffic. And also from different countries, if you get a lot of traffic from another country, it's not going to be the same as from the U.S. So that's mm-hmm. something to keep in mind as well. And something that I discovered recently, actually, when I was going through this whole RPM experiment was that... If you have certain words in your post that are either alluding to like violence or threats or sexual content or alcohol, those can be flagged by advertisers. So those will typically get lower RPMs. So I went through a bunch of my posts that had really low RPMs. And I found a few common threads and it was like, could this be the reason? And I reached out to AdThrive and they were like, yeah, definitely. Like one of the words was addicting. So that alludes to like drug use. So I removed all of those instances and I replaced it with something completely just benign. And then another word that really surprised me was irresistible. That (laughs) I know. I mean, all of these words I was like, oh my, or something else was like, killer. Like these are killer brownies. That is not good. Do not use killer. I do that all the time. Or if you're, if your lingo is to say like, these brownies are the bomb, which I don't really talk like that, but I know a lot of people do. That's bad. Don't take the bomb out. If you have anything, like I have crack brownies recipe Mm -hmm. and that has super low RPMs and now I get it. And I think I say something in there like, if I were a crack addict, these would be like, (laughs) oh my gosh. So I need to completely rename that post. But I never thought about these things. So I just look at all my written content now with new eyes and know that like, if you just go make a few tweaks, if it's not a big deal to you to use different language, do it because you're going to increase your RPMs. That is such a great tip and something I need to look at when we get off this call. <laughs> yeah, I mentioned this in one of our clubhouse rooms that we do on Thursdays and everyone was like, what? I yeah. use that word all the time. Like, well, it might be worthwhile just to try. I mean, not every advertiser is going to flag those words, but right. enough that it's going to make a difference. And if you make changes across the board, you're going to make improvements, you know? So something to mention. Kind of off topic, Topic. sorry about that, but I thought it was no. very valuable. So worth mentioning. Absolutely. 
Yeah, wonder. What do you think about seeing what's working with your money? I know it's not super fun to talk about tracking <laughs> money, but tell me your thoughts on that. Well, yeah, gosh, talking about finance is one of my least favorite things to do, <laughs> but you know, everybody has to at some point, right? We have to talk about it, we have to look at it, we have to we we can't ignore it. And so I think that one of the best things that we can do is we can look and see how much is going out. So whether you are paying for something that you really don't use. Maybe you are spending way more each month. Maybe sometimes I buy content for my blog. And so sometimes I may get to the end of the month and say, uh, I didn't realize how much money I spent on buying content this month. And so I'll go back and look and think, I'm not buying any content next month. <laughs> it was so easy to comment on a, you know, something on Facebook and says, oh, I'll take that one. And right. I'll take that one, you know, and then before I know it, I'm talking to my husband and he's saying, how much did you spend? Uh, that's funny. It's like shopping. <laughs> yeah. Right. But you know, and there are, it's a return on investment typically when you put money into your business and things like that. But if we don't track it or we don't pay attention, then I feel like it's something that could get out of hand. But on a more fun note with finances, I think it's important to, again, what we've been talking about this whole time is do more of what's working. If I'm someone that typically doesn't like to spend a lot of money. So it was really hard for me to invest in my business in the beginning. But when I started to see that, hey, I, I can hire this person to help me write a post or I can hire this person to make a recipe for me and that frees up my time and then my return on investment makes sense. So paying attention to what you're spending your money on. Is it working? Do you have a return on investment or the opposite? Are you spending money on something that's not working? And is it time to nip it in the butt? You know, so again, it's not a very fun topic, but I think it could be crucial for the success of a business as in any business. That was a total game changer for me. Once I started tracking everything that came in and everything that went out, completely mm -hmm. changed the game for my business because I found that I was putting energy toward projects that were delivering very little return. <laughs> and I was like, whoa, like really alarming to see that and kind of sad. But but then I knew it was like I was aware and then you can move forward and make changes. And I completely dropped some streams of revenue from my business because of that, because I was like, well, that's silly. Why was I holding on to that one? But in your mind, somehow you think, oh, it's going to be worth it. It's going to change or I'm doing great with this. But when you have it on a spreadsheet or on paper, it's so revealing. And I, if you are listening and you're not tracking what's coming in and what's going out, that is going to be a huge game changer for your business. I strongly encourage everyone to do that. Even if you're making $200 a month and you're spending $20 a month, like whatever it is. Don't you think so, Jessica, that that is so vital? Oh, absolutely. And I also think it goes to, you know, kind of like what you were saying, you know, tracking maybe some projects you were working on. Let's think about affiliates. I can't tell you how much time I have spent trying to share a week full of outfits or something on my Instagram for the lifestyle portion of my blog. And then I get the reports back and I made 60 cents. And <laughs> yes. I thought, well, I just spent $200 on dresses for affiliate. Yeah. <laughs> and that did not pay off. So I now I strictly do it just for creativity and because I love sharing things like that. But it's sometimes we think, oh, well, I should spend an hour writing a post on this because of the potential of affiliate income. Well, let's hold on. Let's see, you know, what type of product makes better affiliate income? Is it this or is it that? And so really paying attention to 
how much you're making for a, a certain type of product or whatever it is. And yeah, whether it's creating a product to sell, like what you were saying, or maybe trying to make affiliate income, or maybe it's like what you said too, of a certain post may not have a very high RPM because of a certain reason. Here we are trying to you know, hit our heads up against the wall, trying to promote it and make money with it. But we have to really figure out is money coming in for it, let alone what what money is going out in our business, what money is actually coming in and why, and do we need to change some things up with that? Versus how much energy are you spending? One of my things that I thought of was when I did this, when I started tracking, I had done a few cooking classes. So like, I don't know, an hour, hour and a half long cooking class. It, I literally spent the entire day leading up to it, working on this, like prepping, getting my kitchen clean, you know, like getting everything ready, making sure the ingredients, grocery shopping, chopping, whatever. It was so much work. And so when I saw in paper that I made like $40 on this venture, I was like, oh, wow. Compared to the time that I put into it, it was like really defeating. And it just, it was like humbling, like, okay, that... I need to stop. (laughs) So I immediately stopped doing those. So just things like that where you know they drain you, the projects or whatever you're doing is like draining or just you're spending so much energy on and you're not getting a return. Those are the ones you have to remove from your life and say no to. Yes. It can be hard. It can be hard. (laughs) It can be very hard. But when you do that, I find that new opportunities and projects come in. Mm-hmm. So You're right. It like allows that other window to open so that you actually have opportunity for new things that serve you better. So yes, yeah. I totally agree. Okay. What else do we have, Jessica? Is there anything else that we need to pay attention to anything at all on the whole spectrum of blogging? You know, I really, I don't think so. Of course, I feel like you and I could talk for hours, talk blogging, but it really is, everybody's blog can be different, whether it's a type of food they're blogging about or just the topic in general. But I truly think that doing more of what's working, even even though it may look different from you than it does your best blogging friend, just try to, I hate to say, keep your head down because I think it is important to look and see what everybody is doing, but just to remember and to pay attention to what is working and doesn't it make sense to focus whether it's your think about your personal life right so if you want to improve your marriage or if you want to improve your health when you focus on it it can flourish and i think it's it's not any different for your blog and your business do more of what's working focus on what is working already and amplify that and why not if it's already working and you know it can benefit you more why spread yourself too thin using your words you know trying to be everywhere at once And so I think that's just my biggest takeaway from that. Jessica, you dropped some massive gems. And now that we talked about bombs, I'm going to (laughs) say you dropped some massive bombs. But seriously, some of the stuff you said is just like so novel. And I think words that we haven't spoken on this podcast. So, so appreciate your time. This was an amazing conversation. I absolutely loved it. Thank you for being here. Thank you. Do you have a favorite quote or words of inspiration to leave us with today? You know, yeah, I don't think it's necessarily a quote, but again, it kind of goes hand in hand with just kind of my my process of thinking. But something I always encourage others to think about is thinking about baby steps. And when, again, we can be so overwhelmed in the blogging and online world that sometimes we feel like we have to get it done immediately or we have to work on all the things. But I have found that when we focus on the the baby steps, it can really lead to big accomplishments, whether it's writing one sentence on a blog post and saving it and putting it away for later when you feel more energized to write it or whatever it may be, 
it's okay. Not everything has to be done at once. We don't have to learn everything at once, but focusing on the small things can really add up to big wins. You and I have a lot of similarities. That is, I so strongly believe in that as well. So I love that we ended this way. We'll put together a show notes page for you, Jessica. If anyone wants to go look at those, you can go to eatblogtalk.com forward slash fantabulosity. Okay. I love the name of your blog. Tell me how you came up with that. Oh, it's so embarrassing. So, (laughs) well, not really, I guess, but gosh, back years ago, sitting down on your, you know, you know, I think everybody in the blogging world probably knows you sit down you're like, that's going to be the name. I know it. And then you go to buy the domain and somebody already has it and you just, you're crushed. You, you had your heart set on it. So after many moments of that, of beating my head up against the wall going, everybody has the name I want. I thought, what, what are some words I always say? And so I always said fabulous and I always said fantabulous and fabulosity and all these things. And I thought, I'm just going to make up my own word. So I know nobody has that <laughs> domain. And so I did it one day. I just did some chicken scratch on a paper and I said, Hey, that kind of flows. And so for gosh, however many years I've been blogging now, people will say, what does that even mean? And I, I don't know, but it, <laughs> I don't know, but it works. <laughs> it works. There and is so a ring to it. Term. It's catchy. Yeah. I really like it. I had that <laughs> domain you. that I wanted so badly too. Mm-hmm. Yummy Licious was mine. I oh. so wanted it. It was like, it came to me one day and I was like, okay, if that domain is taken, I'm going to be so sad. So I actually <laughs> contacted the person who owned it and they were like, yeah, for $2,500 or something ridiculous oh, at the time. I was like, yeah. there is no way I'm paying you that money, but good to know. <laughs> I know. Yes. <laughs> well, okay. So tell everyone where they can find you beyond your blog. So social media, et cetera. Yeah. You can really find me on, you know, with under fantabulosity on pretty much. That is the good thing about coming up with a random name is if you start typing it in, usually there's not a lot of people out there that <laughs> similar. So yeah, you can find me on any of the social media platforms and I'd love to chat with you. Thank you. And your name isn't more random than mine. Pip and Ebby, like that's way less descriptive. People are like, what is a Pip and Ebby? They, yeah. I love that. Yeah. (laughs) Well, thanks again, Jessica, for being here so much. And thank you for listening today, food bloggers. I will see you in the next episode. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Eat Blog Talk. Please share this episode with a friend who would benefit from tuning in. I will see you next time.